between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this mass movement, destined to bear the jeweled crown of geekdom upon its troubled brow, it is we, mass movement's chroniclers, who alone can tell thee of its saga. Let us tell you of the days of geek adventure. This episode of Geekorama is sponsored by Warner's Juniper Double Dry Botanic Spirit, the alcohol-free gin that delivers a good time without any of the next day bad times. It's crisp, refreshing, and the perfect way to enjoy a juniper-filled evening with friends and family. Right then, let's kick off this episode with a track, shall we? This is RKL with Scab on My Brain. It's taken from Live on a Dive, which is out on Fat Records now. Let's try a little bit of fast one now. First up this time, it's What If Miles Morales by a whole host of Marvel luminaries, including Paco Medina, Cody Ziegler and John Ridley. Uh, the book explores the question, sort of, what if Miles had become Captain America, Thor, Wolverine and Hulk, and then pairs all of those superheroes that he would have become in the What If universe, in the alternative universe, along with uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales against their ultimate foes and a slobber knocker of a crossover. Um... It's a really fun, interesting read that kind of takes one of the staples of the new Marvel Universe and puts him in the shoes of different heroes. Um, It looks good. 
it pulls you into every page and panel and basically you need to read it because it really is yeah one of those books that'll change the way you view miles forever uh it's published by marvel and it's available for more good comic book shops now all right track time uh this is siberian meat grinder with one united family um and the reason we're playing it is because our boys in SMG have just announced a tour with Drop Dead and Napalm Death, which is happening next March. Uh, they're playing all across the UK, so find where your nearest venue is and go and see the SMG guys along with the awesome Drop Dead and Napalm Death next March. This is One United Family. This is Siberian Meat Grinder. Okay, let's talk about Matt Kent, Tyler Jenkins and Heather Jenkins Apache Delivery Service, which is published by Dark Horse. It's part Vietnam War story, part supernatural thriller and part treasure hunting pop noir. And it is absolutely brilliant. It's what is seriously it's one of my books of the last month. Um, it's sort of a study of the psychological horror of war combined with folklore terror and mythology that pits one man against someone who he thinks is his friend who he thought was his friend um and throws him into the midst of <laughs> well one of the most challenging experiences of his life it is absolutely superb i can't recommend this book enough um i honestly think that um this book by kent is, and the jenkins um, tyler and heather jenkins is destined to become a cult classic it really really is that good it's published by dark horse and you can find it in any of your local comic book shops are right now okay so let's have another track uh this is zero again with damaged goods it's taken from their split with the tester which is out now on tns records so uh take it away chaps 
I'm kind of obsessed uh, with The Fourth Man by Jack McComsey, Mike Dew, Dr. Jr. and Lee Lefferidge at the moment. <laughs> it's published by AWA Upshot, um, who I'm not really familiar with. Uh, and it's a tale of small-town murder, betrayal, corruption, greed, and the darker side of human nature that throws everyone from the Aryan nation and <laughs> all sorts of nasty trouble and, and the mafia and sort of the undercurrent of uh, society into one incredible story. Imagine the usual suspects meets Fargo and you'll sort of be halfway there. And it is simply incredible. And the artwork will just fry your brain completely. It's my book of the issue. Uh, that's The Fourth Man. It's published by AWA Upshot. And if crime comics and th something stories are a little bit out of the ordinary, your kind of thing, you really, 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 really need to read this book. It is incredible. Right, uh, let's turn the volume up. This is Melted Bodies with Therapy, which you can find on there, the Inevitable Fork Volume 1 EP, which is due to be released on November 25th. So, um, hit it, chaps.
Astonishing Tales from Frank Barbieri, R.S. Cremonis, Lauren Affey and Taylor Esposito and more and published by Dark Horse is the story of a world in which superheroes are a perfectly normal everyday part of life and it's the story of a journalist who uncovers a terrifying conspiracy that is instigated by the most unlikely sources and could change life for the worse for the billions of innocent souls that comprise humanity. Um... And it's also the story of one man's journey of self-discovery. Um, thinking he's one thing and thinking his destiny like, is, is supposed to take him down one path, but really discovering that he's something else and was destined for something else and meant for something else. The artwork is absolutely superb. And <laughs> the book will just change the way you think about superheroes, quite literally. It's a, <laughs> an astonishing book for astonishing times. And yeah, I can't sing its praises enough. It's a different kind of superhero story. Um, one that you'll instantly be familiar with if you've been reading comics for a while, but one that'll take you down a path you never thought you'd travel down before. Um, yeah, that's a, it's an astonishing book for astonishing times, coincidentally. Um, it's published by Dark Horse, and you can find it in all of your local comic book shops now. That's Astonishing Times, folks. You really, really, really need to read it. All right, so um, let's have some more music. This is the Atlantic Union Project with Soon to End. And tune in, turn it up, and enjoy. Finally, this time, it's 
Well, oddly enough, time to talk about everyone's favourite avatar of Justice, Moon Knight, and Too Tough to Die, which is written by Jed McKay and features absolutely breathtaking artwork from Federico Sabatini, Alessandro Capuccio, and Rachel, or Racco, whatever she wants to, well, however pronounce the name, I'm really sorry. Um, I'm going with Rachel Rosenberg. Um, Living in the Devil's Reign, it's the story of Moon Knight's journey to finally bring Zodiac down and the trials and tribulations he faces along the way. Um, McKay's run on this on Moon Knight has been absolutely superlative. It's just been so good. Um, and this Too Tough to Die is, is is the second collection, the second trade collection of his run. So it's issues seven to twelve, including the first episode of Moon Knight da- uh, Devil's Reign. It's brutal. It's funny. It's touching, and it's emotive as hell. And there are a couple of moments where you'll definitely find yourself reaching for your nearest Kleenex because, you know, your eyes are a bit dusty and it's you'll find them sort of leaking a bit when you least expect it. And the book proves that in the hands of an incredible writer like McKay, Mark Spector and all of his alter egos are Premier League Marvel heroes. It's, it's that simple. It's an incredible book by an incredible writer and incredible artist featuring an incredible hero. That's Moon Knight, Too Tough to Die. It's published by Marvel, and you can find it in your nearest comic book shop now. Right, a while back, um, I caught up with the guys in Calm, and we had a chat about all things sort of geek-centric and what their geek-based pleasures in life were. And I'm going to give you... Um, well, you're going to hear that chat that chat in all of its unfettered and glory in a second. But first of all... Um, we're going to play a track from the band. So this is Calm with Eat Shit Everyone, and then you'll hear the guys from Calm talking about what their geeky pleasures are. So take it away, chaps. My roll my eyes, but I guess I'm listening. You can draw on and I'll attempt to care. Because deep inside, I can't help but feel that all of this seems fair. Till I walk one time, and I look outside and Everything I love is gone Everything I knew was fucked Won't close my eyes cause I see a reason Why it takes my death to make
So here we have the calm chaps, Fred and Rafa. And we're going to talk about our geeky pursuits because that's what we do. So, chaps, take it away. Your introduction to geek hood and then punk rock. Nalvin. Uh, hey, uh, Fred here. Uh, yeah, so I was a nerd from like young, like young. Uh, my brother was four years older than me and he's like quintessential, ended up studying physics. Like he's like a scientist, like into like had a huge library of all like science fiction books and fantasy books and stuff. Uh, we played like Warhammer. I was playing Warhammer like age six until I was like 16. And I was really good at it. Like Warhammer Fantasy. I used to boss that game. Like same with like Total Wars and stuff. And then that's just fantasy, you know, like Lord of the Rings was obviously a big thing when I was growing up with the films. And then there was like a little bit of like Magic the Gathering and stuff. But I never got really into that sort of thing. It was like Warhammer Fantasy and then sci-fi books. Like you, you, know, you, you said like, from six to 16 so what stopped you playing warhammer well like uh, so at the time i got into punk rock <laughs> oh, okay. so like well well no i was always into it from like because obviously when i was young like my first cds was like green day and that like i think it was like international super hits i got dookie i got enema the state mm. and then like kind of uh there was a big thing where like you know they were just punk was just really big at the turn of the 2000s so like i just was really into punk and then i started playing guitar when i was 16 so that was right. the difference. I started like a band and Warhammer was really expensive. And like, I just had other <laughs> interests yeah. and like, it, it like dominated my life. Like I don't, I don't do things by halves. It's like, if I'm doing it, I would spend like every waking minute. I was one of those guys that was down there every Saturday, every Sunday through the summer holidays, through like every day. <laughs> so that was it. It's like, I do, I do still play like Warhammer. I've got um, my mate, Tom, who does all like my tattoos and stuff. Mm. He has a load of like fantasy armies that are, dope he's been doing for the last couple of years through lockdown so we have a game and that and it's fun like i enjoy it but i used to be so much better <laughs> like, so, so, you, so, you, so you're a proper obsessive then so once you start down one path you've got to follow that path yeah the exponential yeah. destination and that's it yeah yeah just adhd riddled just like it's just when i find something i'm into i'm like no. so it's like so I think, I think same, a lot so... of punks and geeks can relate to that. I think it's something we all have in common. It's um, yeah, and an underlying like psychosis that drives us onwards. How about you, Rafa? Yeah. Well, I'm I've been a nerd since ever, like <laughs> ever. Honestly, I play. I still play Magic the Gathering, uh, and I play quite seriously. I played a lot of RPG my entire life. I had. All oh, the Dungeons and Dragons book you can ever imagine. Uh, storytelling as well, like Demon and Angels, uh, Vampire, Werewolf, uh, Fairy, Mages, all of it. Uh, and I'm a kind of a man. I, I don't stay just on the game, so I read all the books. I play video game every day in computer <laughs> and video game. I'm a proper one. I mean, it is what it is. So I'm yeah. very excited right now with um, the Rings of Power. I'm, uh, I'm just not like I, I read a lot of forums and people talking about it. Like, it seems like there is some people upset with that because they are changing a bit. But I'm a, a bit different because I just accept. I'm so grateful to be alive to see what's going on. So I, I, I accept a lot of things. But I think that we will talk about that later. Right? Maybe I'm rushing a little bit, but. <laughs> <laughs> my, my problem is, um, and here's the big confession: I hate Lord of the Rings. Absolutely, oh, no. absolutely detest Lord of the Rings, and I, I can't. I, I have shocked. no intention of watching Rings of Power whatsoever. None. It, I, I kind of half agree. Right, so I really like Lord of the Rings. I think it's sick. I right. think it's really well made. However, I'm not the biggest fan of the books. I read them when I was younger. Hate They're the really the hard to read. They're just, I love the films. I think Peter Jackson, but I, I love the films because I think Peter Jackson's amazing at making mm. films. And he added in so much stuff because I'm a big horror nerd as well. And like, he added in so much of that in like the first right. film, you know, like the ring race and stuff. It's, it's cool. But yeah, like, like I'm in a bit, the rings of power is great. It's amazing. Like, I think that everything they've changed. <laughs> no intention of work. I thought Tolkien is the most pretentious up his own ass writer ever. If I'm going to read fantasy, I'm going to read Robert E. Howard. I'm going to read Michael Moorcock. I don't, I just, I just want swords and destruction Dave, and death and Dave, armor. David Gamel was my favorite when I was uh, a kid. 
I'll like uh, if you've read David Gamal's stuff, yes. like uh, I was yeah. big into that sort of fantasy, like uh, with Dress, like Waylander was always the coolest character with him, with like the automatic crossbow thing that he had. Cool. <laughs> so about you, Rafa? <laughs> what, what what is the appeal of Lord of the Rings? Try and try and try and change my mind from a Lord of the Rings fan. Well, I think the thing with Lord of the Rings is, I think it's the most successful um, fantasy story ever told in cinema and all of that. Right. I think it's a huge opportunity to, to show for the entire world how amazing this is. I mean, I'm talking about medieval um, a background, right? Mm-hmm. Because I really like, for instance, Dungeons and Dragons. It's very, very, very similar. Yeah. So to me, it's like, Jesus, it's very good. I, of course, I have my, uh, my bad points about it, but basically, to me, I agree with Fred. It's is <laughs> if it's not one, it's very close to be the best um, fantasy thing ever happening in cinema so far. Okay, so just me, you know, if I'm going to watch, we're going back to what Fred said about Peter Jackson. If I'm going to watch anything Peter Jackson's made, I'm going to watch Bad Taste. I'm going to watch Meet the Feebles. I'm going to watch The mm-hmm. Frightless. I mm-hmm. think that's where his true passion lies. So, and when he discovered. Uh, like computer animation, it was the worst thing that could have happened to Peter Jackson. So the frighteners was sort of his um, gateway drug, that sort of thing. And I just wish he'd stuck with like marijuana, so they like moving further along down the like the fantastical marijuana <laughs> rather than moving on to the harder stuff and just going all. Oh, no. Well, I, I, well, I, 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 I kind of agree. Like I'm a big lover of like prosthetics, like effects and stuff. Yeah. I'm not hugely into CG. I'm not even there's, there's a, a lot of like a trend at the moment of a lot of horror films where like they do like you know like that sort of like really schlockish looking like CGI and it's like mm. I, I'm just not really down with it. Like whereas I love and it's a part of the reason I love Lord of the Rings is the amount because when I saw the trailer for Rings of Power, I was like, this looks rubbish. I was like, it just <laughs> did it looked more like the Hobbit, which I really didn't like because it was more CGI. Right. Whereas like and I understand why he did that to make it feel like a kid's film because obviously the Hobbit is a kid's book, Lord of the Rings isn't, but it's like but for me it's like Lord of the Rings, there's it's all models and puppets and like actual extras and the actual costumes with the actual like weapons and stuff and and he turns Lord of the Rings into a actual thing because Lord of the Rings is kind of like it's boring that that's fundamentally what it comes down to is like it's the it's so it's like when you listen to like older music that's important in any genre like you have to appreciate him when it came out and how important it is but it is boring. Like if you're growing up on really like, I, I don't know what you really call it, but like schlocky fantasy where you have like one guy in in like castle gates and he's killing hundreds of thousands of people, like taking out whole armies because his axe is imbued with like a demon or something like proper like Dungeons and Dragons style things. You're going to just be like, this is lame. But when you take <laughs> Lord of the Rings is like more where it came from, because like I really like Tolkien. I think he is an elitist, like academia sort of, um kind of he's from a generation that's inherently racist you know there's a lot of the controversy was all about like the black elf and it's like well i watched this show and he was the most true to what an elf is like out of all of them and it's just you you know fan bases have shown that they're not always the best over the last like 10 years with the internet star wars is a big one for that like i love star wars hate the fan base I saw I, I saw Star Wars on the first run like January hey, 1990s. That was sick. No, but like the original Star Wars, like they're, they're untouchable, yeah, yeah. man. Like they're so good. Yeah, but that, that's it. It's like you know, I'll take going on with Rafa because you're you're a D and D guy as well. So, which edition are you a fan of? Oh, uh, it's difficult. I'm between three point zero and three point five. After that, I think is. <clears throat> I think they're going like I will make it the easiest of. Or easiest possible to making everyone play it, yeah. which don't get me wrong, I get it. But I started to play on three point zero, and played with the most three point five. So between it for sure is the best for me. I don't know about you, Tim. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a one e guy, so I played my first game in January 1983. Again, yeah. I'm, I'm sure my age, and so I'm always one e and two e, and then I, I kind of like five e because it's because it's like all embracing ideology where you know anybody can play yeah then again at the same time i kind of like a bit of complexity to the rules yeah i, I understand why you like 3.5 because that was the most technical version of the game 
Yeah. Ever, you know? Well, but I need to be honest with you. I, I didn't play the five yet. Yeah. I just, you know, um, I don't have like too much time to do it at the moment, but I'm always reading. So I see so many people complaining about it. And it's I was like, just like. It's nowhere near as bad as it's made out to be. It's actually a really right. rule system. Um, again, and I go back to get something Fred said before about like prosthetics and I'm a Rick Baker, like Tom Savini kind of guy. Hey, um, my guy Tom Savini. Well, you know, that makes all the difference to me. We, I don't, you know, we will go back to the fantasy game. We said, about, like, the one, the lone swordsman taking on the world. So it's like, it was films like Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer. And then you move on to, like, The Sword and the Sorcerer and Hawk the Slayer. Those are the kind of films that inspired me fantastically on screen. So I think it's a generational thing, maybe, where Lord of the Rings. Yeah comes in because there is a bit of an age gap between us folks. You know, you can't see this, but you know, um I am felt and sexy of course, but you know, I'm I'm not quite as felt and sexy as these two guys <laughs> who may be like thirty years younger than I am. So um <laughs> well, like, well, let's let's talk about the band. Let's, let's talk about calm. Because to me, you guys sound like a combination of Sam I am and seaweed. <gasps> you said Sam I am. Oh man. Oh That's, Tim just oh, Tim. What you, Sam what you I am. like, yeah. <laughs> Sam, I am the greatest band in the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me, me and the guitarist both have like Sam, I am tattoos because we're that cool. Like <laughs> on our like right forearms, he has the, um, uh, I think it's your You're Freaking Me Out artwork with the hand. And that, I you have are out um, the greatest records ever recorded. Oh man, oh yes. man. Like, like wow. I'm, a, I'm a straight up, I'm an astray boy because yeah. that to me is just, perfect like what i would consider like emo in like the punk rock sense you know um i know that that's a word that gets people well, that's what shines through because like when you hear your music it's just it's literally sam i am and seaweed are the two influences that just jump straight up yeah yeah, yeah. that's why you're here <laughs> i love yeah. those bands so, <laughs> thank you, know. you thank you yeah like it's uh they're just they're just great. Like Sam, I am always the one that me and Ash, like Ash is the primary songwriter. So he right. will write songs and then send them through. And then we add what we add to make it into calm basically. Right. Um, and yeah. And he loves Sam, I am. They're like, he was more of a metalhead when he was growing up. Um, whereas like me and the drummer, we grew up together and we were more like punk rock, pop punk, a little bit metal, but more just like punk rock. And then we got into like the local, like hardcore uh, punk rock scene when we were like 16 uh, where we're from and all that sort of stuff and yeah so Sam I Am are just like amazing and he he takes great influence they're actually the band that got him properly into punk rock so they're That's like so for him like he loves punk rock now like punk rock is like his mm-hmm. what he would say is his favorite genre but Sam I Am are really important and I think it's because they're like I saw them the other week uh, supporting hot water music they were amazing and they're just there's something incredible about them they just have this thing that you can't really express but it's what i love in punk it's like yeah. it's what i look for that sort of i always describe it as like a like overweight like over 35 year old guy talking about drinking or smoking too much weed or something like they just have that thing and that's like what what i love about it you know like and sam i am so it means a lot that you would say that sam i am but see the reason i didn't go see him in london was because they were supporting like hot warm music yeah, I'm yeah, not a hot water music fan. Boy says fire, okay. I mean, I've seen him a couple of times and I've spoken to Nathan a couple of times, but yeah, I'd rather go see Sam and play their own set. I again. saw that too a few years ago. I actually saw them and Jawbreaker within a week of each other because obviously they're from like the same scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sam I am blue, blue, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> No, that's, that's absolutely fine because it's, it's all about individual perspective and individual choice. I love Joe no, There is, yeah, like, there is no right answer. There's no wrong answers, Clive. And this is what this is one of the things that annoys me about punk rock. If you don't like this band, you can't be part of the scene. If you don't like that band, you can't be part of the scene. Nonsense, absolute nonsense. It's yeah, like I, I love Jawbreaker too. Like yeah. they were one of my big, like them and Sam I Am were like my two big. Like when I discovered that, I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Like obviously, yeah, like I listened to all sorts, you know, but like those two were very much like alongside stuff like stuff, even stuff like Blink. Like I'm a huge Blink 182 fan. Uh, like I think like their untitled album is like self titled album, sorry, it's like one of the coolest 
like punk records ever made. I absolutely adore it. I think it's so cool what they managed to do. And I think Tom's such a great songwriter. Um, and then, you know, obviously we won't really talk about them now because I think like, just like Green Day, they probably should have just stopped and just stopped, <laughs> you know? So I mean, they didn't really ruin anything, but yeah, because Green Day are another one. They're amazing back in the day. But, um, you know, not so much. So I saw Green Day play a club called TJ's. Um, hey, yeah, I've heard about TJ's. And um, they stayed overnight with my friend Dean. By this, and they were like rambunctious kids, they were teenagers. This is what, 92, 91, 92, something like that. Yeah. And he came down and threatened to chop their heads off the samurai sword and actually made the biography of the band. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah. Well, they've, they were always a good band. They were always live, they were always mm. spot on. And mm-hmm. they're better live, I would argue, than they are on record. Um, like a lot of bands. How about you, Rafa? Well, to be quite honest, I'm completely different from the lads on the band because, to be quite honest, I am something, it's difficult to, to, to explain, but I'm something between like hardcore and death metal. <laughs> you're, so, you're more of a crossover guy then. So, yeah, like, I mean, conformity, that sort of. Don't get me wrong, I like punk. I'm yeah. going. A lot now I'm playing with them and they are teaching me about punk songs, but I never had that in my background. I okay. came from, don't get me wrong, like, like from Hatebreed and, and Cannibal Corpse. This is yeah. the line for me, but <clears throat> I change it a lot. If you ask me last time I heard those bands, Jesus, like two years ago. So they are changing me. <laughs> it's it's the gradual evolution of being yeah. part of something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Hate Breed is one of those bands that I, I just, I can take or leave. Um, I understand why people like them, but give me agnostic front any day that we can be sick of it all. Give me proper New York hardcore bands like the yeah. Crumpsuckers and, you know, yeah, yeah. No Demon Social Value, Sheer Terror and Dog, those bands, Youth Today. The, yeah. Again, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure my age. Yeah, right. Did you yeah, see when like, you played London? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I oh, just dude. like them. They're, they just exist in like, they very much play the sort of hardcore that really resonates with me. That sort of like minor threat onwards. I mean, I mean, I love all, I mean, of the 80s hardcore bands, like it's hard to not love most of them. They're also right. unique and cool. But like Youth Today into, I, I like even stuff like Power Violence. Like when I go to like heavy, like Ooh, music, so I'm like, I, start, I like stuff Spaz like Worm. Yeah, I like Spaz. Uh, but I love like Magruder Grind. I love Worm Rock. Like uh, anything that's like, because uh, Leeds, where, where like I grew up and right. still live like just outside of, is just, that's all full of crusty Power Violence bands. I like it. Like if I'm going heavy, I want it to be like disgustingly heavy in like, <laughs> forty seconds, basically. <laughs> There's a band you you really should check out called What Happens Next. I don't know if you've heard of them. No, I haven't. But oh, I'll check them out after this. Max from um, Spaz with a bunch oh, of other okay, guys. Okay, okay. Bunch of other guys <laughs> from, from like the California scene at the time, like the, the sort of compressed San Francisco scene, and they were playing like positive power violence meets East Coast fast blinding youth core hardcore. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Absolutely that sounds intense. <laughs> sounds probably oh, yeah. brilliant. That is something you should listen to. So, what's happening with the band at the moment? You have a new EP coming out, don't you? Yeah, so um, we have a mini album, kind of, because we've been told it's too long for an EP. Uh, it's seven tracks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't listen to Gamage. Gamage, Gamage sells fibs. Don't listen to Gamage. He tells yeah. music. It's a mini album, it's not an EP, lies, David. It's an EP. Yeah, yeah. Well that that's what I thought. But yeah, so we're uh, we're in the kind of towards the end of recording that. So recording it with the George, who's like the producer that's worked with us on all of our other stuff, uh, which is like uh, he works at like a local studio which like is owned by the people who were like used to playing bands back in the scene back in the day sort of thing and yeah so we're making a mini album which is seven tracks uh which should hopefully be out early next year um i'm not sure exact on like like when but um i'm sure it'll get announced when it gets announced and that's cool it's really nice we've had sitting on these songs for a couple of years and we've done we've really gone hard with the recording like really used the fact that we have the space to use and just done lots of cool things like our drummer's done some really interesting stuff with like recording everything like for like the single he's done it all kind of like separately and stuff so there's no bleed so but it's gonna sound really great it sounds really like really good it's cool it feels like it's gonna be 
like Reptile Brain and Eat Shit Everyone, they nice. they very much reflect us as like a band more than the other three songs we put out. But this is very much like, boom, that like this is calm. You know, yeah. it's kind of the way we feel about it. Okay, so you're going to be touring it? Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Uh, we're in talks with loads of different bands, a few bands on the label, uh, a couple of other bands uh, that aren't connected to us like that. But yeah, so hopefully we'll get out, we'll tour it all through next year. Uh, and then hopefully we'll just keep on recording uh, because we have more songs going. Yeah. You know, we have most of like an album written. Uh, Ash, our songwriter, is he, he writes an insane amount of songs. He's doing yeah. like a songwriting masters and he he will crack out honestly like 40, 50 calm songs in a year. Yeah. Like it's really intense to the point where we have like a ridiculous like screening process. Haffer will tell you more about that though. If you want to take over Haffer, because he he's always like, I can't believe it. Like he just sends these fully recorded, fully sounding amazing, like to the point where like uh, David actually didn't even realize that the demo recordings were just logic home recordings. He thought it was the finished thing. And we were like, oh no, we're actually in the middle of recording it properly. <laughs> but yeah, Haffer, if you want to take over. Yeah, well, to me, it's unbelievable. Don't get me wrong. I played since my 10 years old. I'm 32. I've never seen this before. Because normally, even, well, to be quite honest, it's very common to see famous bands. that like two or three guys of the band sit together to, to make a song. But Ash is like, guys, just take a look on your email. It's all there. Everything. I mean, of course, we put our things on the song. But this structure is already there. It's something, to me, I never get used to it, to be fair. He's, he's a proper music man. He's born to do it. And I played, as I said, for 22 years. And I, if I wrote one song in my entire life, it's... It's too much. So <laughs> to me, it's absurd. It's amazing. Okay, so let's get back to the geeky stuff to, to close things out. So, <laughs> first of all, I'd like three definitive punk rock records from each of you. So let's okay. start with that. So just just literally my three favorite punk rock records. Yeah, the three definitive punk rock records. The records. Oh man, that's hard. As you think to right. find punk rock and your sort of emergence in it okay okay do you want want me to go now yeah yeah okay right um for me like a really big one is Uh um blink 182 and i'm gonna say i'm gonna say dude ranch like i I really like a lot of them but for me when i was 16 all i wanted was d beats all i wanted was fast melodic hooks and d beats and it it's it's no, no, I'm not. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the self-titled because I think that it perfectly encapsulates what punk can be. You know, where it's like it's not this genre where it's like there's a lot of the sort of people that are always like, oh, you've got to be bad to be in punk. You can't play guitar solo. You can't play this, and it's like no, like punk is about doing cool music that's out of the box and actually being good. The best musicians I've ever heard are punk rock musicians. They're amazing because they understand that technicality isn't everything. You play for the song, you play for the emotion. So I'm going to say that because they did some really cool. Um, and then Astray by Sam I Am because that's just one of the greatest records. And then I'm really like, it's <laughs> mental. Like part of me goes like, do something like, I really love something like Rights of Spring or something like that. But then I'm just like Fugazi because of what like they mean and what they mattered for. But then I'm just like, minor threat, probably minor threat. <laughs> Free records is really hard to bring it down to. But like minor threat was the first time. It's, it's a tie between minor threat because that's the first time I heard what heavy music could be. And a band called I'm the Avalanche who have uh, the guy from the movie life in it because my first ever show was seeing them sporting MXPX and I fell in love with them. And that first record, the one with uh, uh, this is Dungeon Music on and Dead and Gone, like is still one of my all time favorite punk records. Like I love it. I sing along the entire time. And I know that's that's for me personal. So that's my answer if I was just giving people records, but my personal favorite is, is that would be in it as well. After your turn. Right, as I said, I'm not a punk guy, so I will try to give my best. First, I'm quite sure. Matter. There can be hardcore records, there can be death metal records. The when record you say record, it's songs, right? But, uh, albums. albums. So, so, you know, um, the albums that you think epitomize the punk rock spirit more than the actual movement or the genre itself. Yeah. 
Um, right. So albums. I don't know if this is, um, as I said, punk, but I think it's the closest. And I'm really like this. I already talked with Fred about it. But I would go with Suicidal Tendencies. Yeah. I really like to join the army because my favorite, I think, if it is punk song ever, is War Inside My Head. Right. I really, really like him. Mm-hmm. Um, you will judge me, <laughs> but I really like Ramones. No, no. Re- I, I really, really, really like it. Ramones, one of the greatest bands ever. End of story. The Ramones yeah. So I can't remember the name of this album, but my favorite song of Ramones is Poison Heart. Uh, oh, Leave Home? I did not hear that. It's Poison Heart. Poison Heart. I'm just trying to remember the record. Is it Leave Home at all? I'm, no, I'm no. seeing this now. Yeah. Let me see. Is Mondo Bizarro. Mondo Bizarro. Yeah. Yeah. So I really, really, really love it. <clears throat> And I don't know, I'm not a punk. Uh, well, I don't know. I think I would just skip with this too. The okay, that, that's fine. So, I can go. Three, three films. That sum Ooh. up your geek passion. Three films you would recommend to someone. If you say, these are the geekiest films you're ever going to love, you're ever going to see, but they are so brilliant because the, 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 the three films. Right. Can I count? Do you, is that allowed to count like comics? No, we're going to do comics in a minute. So, it's, right, it's, so it's different. Yeah, All right. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Right. So I will put like Lord of the Rings, but like general, I will not tell you okay. which one of the three <laughs> Lord of the Rings, because to me it's all good. I agree with Fred about Hobbit because I read the book. So is that is an absurd to put Hobbit about f- films on this? Let me see. I need to know the translation. I, d- I don't know if I told you, but I'm Brazilian. Okay. Yeah, so I need to translate. Let me just see. The name of it. Uh, no, you will think is another thing. You go, Fred. Give me time to just trans- translate that. Um, okay, right. Um so I lo- I don't really like, except for Lord of the Rings, I don't really like fantasy films. I mm-hmm. think they're way too schlocky, and I think they're not very good. <laughs> and the same with sci-fi. I, I read a lot more sci-fi than I watch. Uh, like, I'm, I'm in the middle of this huge Peter F. Hamilton book at the moment, which is awesome. But, um, but for three films is, first of all, 2001 because it's just what I like about sci-fi, it encapsulates and it also encapsulates a lot of that sort of stuff. Then um, I'd say like Hereditary, because I really like horror films and I loved that movie. I loved how it was like a more modern film that encapsulated all the cool iconography of what I think makes horrors great alongside really cool new iconography and use a lot of prosthetic effects and everything looked great. And then for my last one, it's really difficult. <laughs> so it's like, so I'm. If you thinking. want to think, I already have my other two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go okay. for your other two. Right. So I will follow Fred about horror movies, but he will be surprised. But I really love a movie called Insidious. Hey, yeah. That terrifying All of them. I was completely terrified about this one. And, this, and the last one I know is, uh, can sound silly, but I really like Harry Potter. Nothing wrong with that. I'm a yeah. huge Harry Potter fan. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. the books. With Harry Potter. I went. I went. Yeah. I went the press show of Insidious in the cinema. And, yeah. Um, I went. My mate Gav was a Geordie Cage fighter, and we both sat there terrified. Yeah. Absolutely terrified because it's just yeah. it, it's, <laughs> that film know, is terrifying. <laughs> two two grown men just nearly crying, weeping with fear. Like it's just absolutely insanely. Yeah. Like, absolutely nothing wrong with Harry Potter. All right. So let's finish on comics, gentlemen. Ooh, definitive comments. Yeah, I, I to me it's difficult because I know everyone, every single one like like Marvel, uh-huh. but I'm a huge DC Comics fanboy. A huge, a massively one. Yeah. I have a Batman tattooed in my arm. I have a lot of comics and to today a lot of Pop Funko's collection. So right, I will start with that. I will give you the Flashpoint. I don't know if you ever um, um, saw it. 
Yeah, the flashpoint, the paradox where flat, where everything changed and exactly. I think yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. massively good. I will give you the first Superman. I can't remember his name. The unfortunate the actor who had a problem and ended his life on a wheelchair. Yes, Reeve. And the last one, even like, and I, I have to me, I will give you the first Captain America movie. The first one, I yes, think, is the best Marvel movie ever. How about you, Fred? Uh, I read that many comics, but ones which I have read, uh, which I do really like comics. I just right. I've never really like. I used to have quite a few like more like graphic novels sort of things, but um, I've just never was really in a position to have them. If that makes sense, um, um, absolutely. I love Preacher. So Preacher was something I read that when I was like 16, right. 17, like really like that. I love just how gnarly it is. Garth <laughs> is, is a lunatic, so that's that. Yeah, he's a madman. He's a madman. And like that, I actually really liked the, uh, the the show we did of it. I thought it was really good yeah. too. I really liked the guy who played uh, Cassidy a lot, uh, who Joe Gilgan, I think he's in from uh, This Is England. He's brilliant. Yeah. So is that... Uh, the only other one that I can really remember that made like a lasting impact on me was reading Watchmen for the first time because wow. it was the first time I'd seen that take on like a superhero because uh, I must have been like 15, 14, 15. It was in the build-up to the film coming out and I remember reading it and being like, oh, that's different. You know, I'd never seen superheroes portrayed in that sort of like it times moved on and they're kind of like dealing with, you know, being like normal um, and then aside from that, anything Spider-Man and anything X-Men, I'm all over it. See, Watchmen <laughs> was such a game changer when it first came out because we just had, it was literally superheroes very stayed in sort of middle of the road and they were really safe at the time. And then Alan Moore does Watchmen and Frank Miller does The Dark Knight Returns and that was it. Mm-hmm. Everything changed. Yeah. And that's what's led us to where we are now. Well, gentlemen, thank you for your time tonight. Thank oh, you. thank you. It's a pleasure. And... Uh, okay. We shall be talking again when your record comes out. All right. We shall be. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Thank you. And thank you for helping us so far and everything. It's been a pleasure, man. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. I'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Right. That's about it for this time. So until the next episode, uh, ta-ta. Take care of each other and have fun. Bye-bye.